All right, we're back with another episode of the 132 Breeze podcast. As always, it's Marlo joined by Casey. Casey, how are we doing today? Well, hanging in there. I uh, was worried about this podcast, uh, but uh, the result of the Badger game helped a lot. Very much like very much like last week. <laughs> we went into it, and I thought, oh, no. Here we, you know, going into the weekend, oh, no. I'm going to have to record a podcast on Sunday night, talk about mm-hmm. the Badgers. Uh, luckily, they pulled one out today. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that kind of put a little pep in my step, a little uh, pep in the voice here as we start the podcast. Good, good. I'm glad you are bringing, you're bringing the flair. You're bringing the energy. Uh, I'm going to need it. I had my last <laughs> holiday party of the season last night. What? Yeah. Late one, right? Wow. In February. Um, so, yeah. yeah. As you do. <laughs> As you do. I thought it was nice because it kind of breaks up all the other ones that are happening December, right? You get partied out. Fair. And now I'm just ready and I was ready to go out. Um, and so I was kind of dragging a little bit today. Not going to lie. Oh, jump, jump. <sighs> So was it? It was like there was a Christmas tree, and like <laughs> you wore a Christmas sweater and stuff, or you just called it. They a just called it a holiday party. Heck, now that I think no. about, it, eh, no, there was definitely no Christmas tree. Uh, but yeah, we just get, just you know got uh, got together, dressed up, and drank merrily, and it was. Uh, so in what way was it a holiday party? Uh, the flyers that said it was a holiday party. It just yeah. said holiday yeah. party. It just said farmland fitness holiday party. So it's officially a holiday party. I don't know. Doesn't sound like a holiday party. <laughs> sounds sounds no way. Someone did bring eggnog. Like Someone did all. bring eggnog. There you go. That now it's a holiday party. Eggnog. Are you? Not, do you like eggnog? No. Stayed away I'm from not, eggnog. Mm, to be fair, I think normally you spike it, right? I've never yeah, had like, it's definitely, like a spike. It's definitely I just spiked. had like no. Yes. Okay. Well, sure. Well, at the at the official holiday party, of course it would be. But in my general life, in my, my normal life, <laughs> I've never had uh, spiked eggnog and just tried to drink normal eggnog, and I don't understand the point. Uh, my flex it. Can't, I can't see it. can't see it. Uh, maybe I'll try to throw some booze in it in uh, February here <laughs> and uh, see how it goes. All right. Uh, let's start with Bob right. Jump into it. College basketball. We had two Badger games this week, and really, I mean... It's been the ups and downs of this Badger season, really kind of uh, put into two games here. Went to Minnesota midweek, got blown out by Minnesota. I think the final score ended up being uh, something ridiculous, 70 to 52. Uh, I think in the last couple of games I've said, it didn't even feel that close. (laughs) Um, If I had to sum this game up in one word, I would sum it up as clang. 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 We missed so many shots. Shot uh, 20% from the field, 24% from beyond the arc, 64% from the field, Marlo. It was a brutal offensive performance. Um, yeah. What do you blame? I blame the court. They definitely bleached the court. That court was weird. It's already raised. We got that. We got the nice shots of rolling the ball out of bounds and saving it uh, pregame. That's cool. But I don't, yeah, it was a bad shooting performance, and I'm blaming a bleach court. Uh, 100%, Marlo. Uh, I almost wrote into our show notes uh, Casey's excuses, <laughs> which is a, uh, a segment we haven't brought back in a while. But it was way too yeah. bright to be able to shoot. I mean, blinding light. I I could barely watch the. I could well. To be fair, I couldn't watch it at all because I was in a car. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, but but I watch highlights of this yeah. game, Marlo, and it is impossible to see. I've seen games in Minnesota before. Uh, brutal, absolutely brutal. You got the raised floor. You don't know where you are. Is the is the Best hoop really 
10 feet up. I'm yeah. not sure. Nobody really knows. You can't see anything because the court's bleached. Absolutely brutal. Doesn't seem fair. How do they get away with this, Marlo? Because they're Minnesota. No one really cares about they're Minnesota. They're Minnesota. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, they went on, I mean, it really happened. It, it kind of Minnesota pulled away in that first half uh, towards the, the later later half of, of the first half and then really didn't look back after that. And it was just I didn't make I didn't make it the whole game. I don't know if you did. Uh, I made it a little bit after the second half, and I, it was I was like I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. And it was just it was just a bad performance all around. Um, you're not gonna win many games when you miss shots. No, yeah, yeah. I gotta make shots to to win basketball games. Um, I was driving during this, Marlo. I was driving back from a work trip, uh, so I had it on uh, the internet radio nice. um, and was listening to it. And I listened to the first half. And then I was like, oh, I'll check back in after halftime. I'm going to turn on a podcast or something as, as it's halftime. I don't really want to, you know, listen to, uh, the guys on the radio break it down because I was pretty frustrated <laughs> at halftime. Um, so I w- was listening to a podcast and kind of lost a little bit of track of time and I went to check the score. And what was the score at halftime? Oh boy. Score at time 45 um, 32. 45 32. So I went and checked. The second half, and I was like, oh, second half is happening. And I thought there was like a mistake in the score because I'm like, oh, I thought we were down like eight points or seven points. And now we're down more, or I thought we were down less than what the halftime score was. And it just started, uh, oh, no, they went on like a 10 0 <laughs> run. <laughs> and we're down like 20 yep. points. Uh, so I immediately was like, I am driving in snow. I uh, don't need this added stress to it, so I, I turned it off. I, I never turned it back on in the second half on the broadcast. I just let the game go, listen to my podcast. Uh, that was uh, at least put me in better spirits as I battled the snow as I was driving across western Michigan. Um, so I didn't get through it, gave up on the team. And, you know, it was just kind of didn't feel great to be a Badger fan. No. At that moment, at that night, um you know, still kind of lots of off the court things kind of hovering over the program. Um, Kobe King incident, some recent news incident stuff. And then the game just blown out. To be honest, Marlo, I didn't have high expectations of this game. Really? I think we talked about this last week. Uh, I kind of went into it going, I hope to snag one, but I didn't really expect uh, to win this one. I thought this was going to be much more of um, uh, Otoro. Uh, on yep. uh, Minnesota's mm-hmm. team, really just asserting as well. He had a very good game, seventeen points, six to ten from the field. Uh, but it was really, it was really Willis who stole the show for them. I didn't see that coming. Um, I guess you add that with what I thought Arturo was going to do and what he ended up doing. And uh, you know, my expectations were, as you saw, and how the game went, very quickly dashed. Yeah, very quickly. And now, that speaking of, yeah, Willis. Um, at least on the TV broadcast, they had been talking about, obviously didn't follow Minnesota that well, but they were talking about how he was in a shooting slump for the last four or five yeah. games. And of course, this is the, this is the game where he comes completely out of it. Jumps right out of it just in time to beat the Badgers. So that was frustrating. It was a frustrating time. And, you know, that kind of rolled over Marlo, I guess, into the game today. Uh, just wasn't, it's, it's been a while, Marlo, since I've not been excited, not look forward to a Badger basketball game. Uh, even in my, you know, my blind optimism at times, uh, was not, was not excited for this one. Came into it and really just kind of expecting bad things, but outcomes, you know, the 20 year reunion of the 2004, 2000. or 2000, 
Final yep. Four team, excuse me. Um, one of my first early, you know, great memories of Badger basketball. There wasn't a lot of great memories before this, uh, but I remember this team winning ugly. I remember, you know, the kind of the grit of this team, the the upsets that came. You know, the the first experience I had at a, at a Final Four, uh, and that just but a glimmer, a glimmer of hope. And then the game started, Marlowe, and we got more than a glimmer. We got actual hope as uh, Wisconsin jumped out to a, I, I guess it was a, a bit of a slog to start, but about halfway through the first half, kind of started to pull away, started to make some outside shots, shot very well in this game. And Marlowe, as you mentioned earlier, key to the game, making yeah, shots. Key to the game is making shots. I believe the Colts, so you're going to say basketball, the rim's always 10 feet. This floor is only 90 yeah. feet. I think the Cole Center is just different. It's different dimensions because it's just a completely different team when they're at home. Uh, it's yeah. it's unreal to go from what we saw against Minnesota, even to what we saw before that at Purdue, and they just come home, and it's like, if you only watch home games, <laughs> right, you would think yeah. this is a pretty yep. pretty damn good team. And it's just, it, it boggles my mind every time, but I, it could, I mean, you could give it up to the fans who uh, shout out, I meant to do it last time, but they have really also shown up at the Cole Center and been very loud and vocal yep. throughout the game, not just towards the end, uh, which has been good to see as from a fan perspective. But, yeah, it's just wow. When, when like anything, if you're hitting shots, it feels so good. Yeah, and I think especially for the Badgers' offense, it just opens up so much more when they're finally hitting outside shots and uh, just makes it feel so much better. I think this game is... Uh, the Pritzel yes. game, he went uh, 7 for 13 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3, ended up with 19 points, uh, and a lot, a lot of uh, shaking the shoulder, shaking the head, <laughs> getting ready to get into the shot. Uh, my wife and I are watching it, and we're, we're like, "Is does he does he always <laughs> do this? Is he always like jolting around like this? I don't think he is, but maybe when he's in the zone like this, that's how he, that's how he keeps himself there. It was uh, interesting, interesting to watch. Uh, but so Pritzel, I think, was the star of the game. Yeah, with that, without a doubt. When he's when he's going, he's obviously been playing a lot more since uh, Kobe King uh, left the team. He's been having to play bigger minutes, and especially in games like this when he's rolling, it just adds a dimension to this team. It adds that outside shooting that uh, I, I don't think we have elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. As is um, Pritzel, as Pritzel, I wouldn't say as Pritzel goes, the team goes, but when he is on. Yeah. Um, it definitely yeah. it, it makes it makes a ton of difference as far as uh, the rotation goes and how everyone is is feeding off that and uh, the defensive rotation for the other team to get other guy other guys open as well. Yeah, and he's been good on the defensive end, and I think that was might have been what was limiting his minutes before. Uh, but he's been he's been very good on the defensive end. Uh, I guess other shoutouts in this game: uh, Mike Potter making his first start yeah. for the Badgers. Uh, against Ohio State, so that was a little bit, I think, I think poetic. Um, in that, and I, it was just kind of, as we learned, Micah Potter. Obviously, we were robbed of a semester of his performance uh, in this season. I, I don't know if you've noticed, I haven't let that go, Marlo, <laughs> but I haven't let that go. Um, but he's an intense dude, yeah. uh, and it was really fun to see him out there, John, with. His former teammates. Uh, it was really cool to see him kind of going back and forth with them. Had an okay game, you know, nine points, uh, one for three from three, three for seven from uh, the field. Uh, but just his, his join and his intensity, I think, adds something to this team. And I guess other shout out, uh, Dimitri Trice, uh, 
Uh, really good game. 32 minutes. Uh, only eight points, but really facilitated the offense in this game. Finished with eight assists uh, to three turnovers. Uh, I thought it was a little bit better. I mean, but that's still... I think we're seeing him kind of settle into a point guard role where he doesn't have to do too much. He's more f- of a facilitator. I think that's Potter being out there. I think that's Pritzel being a little bit more involved. Um, seems like he's kind of settling down and being kind of the more of a typical Wisconsin point guard, you know, making the right passes, making the right moves, not turning the ball over. Yeah, that is uh, it's definitely going to take to your Michael Potter point. I really, I love his swag. I have you know, ever since he started yeah. the court, like that is, um, I don't know. I like players like that. I like that he has, and I like that he brings that dimension to the team. Um, it's it's very refreshing. Yeah, definitely nobody else on the team has that. No, no one else on this team is going to confront a player on the other team. Well, maybe Brad Davison, but then everybody just freaking hates him <laughs> for it, and he just does it the wrong way. And by the wrong me- way, I mean punching people in the balls. <laughs> I would say that's confrontational. Yeah. Punching people in the balls is probably confrontational. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Potter does it a different way. <laughs> Than Davison, um, yeah, no, it's 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 great to see, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just I want to see some consistency in this team. Uh, I guess I want to see the consistency be more like games like today <laughs> than consistency being games like uh, the away game to Minnesota, and maybe we just have to live this yo-yo uh, throughout the year, Marlo, which will be uh, eternally frustrating. Uh, but hopefully, we win more than um, we lose out of that. Uh, that's all I got for Ohio State, Minnesota. Next week at Nebraska, all no game till Saturday, uh, so it'll be a long week. We are at Nebraska Saturday. It's a must win, must win at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska having a having a tough time here in the Big Ten with your your boy. Uh, I almost said Scott Frost. What's his name? Hoiberg. Hor- gosh, Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, Nebraska losers of eight in a row Jeez. in the Big Ten. Yes. So a tough, a tough stretch for Nebraska. A must win for the Badgers here this week. Uh, Marlo, we talked a little bit last week about the uh, college basketball season being a little bit of a downer. Yeah. Talked about that last week. We had one heck of a Saturday though in college basketball across the board. I think from start with Michigan State, uh, Michigan, which is uh, relatively entertaining. Yeah. I'd say all the way through it, let's be honest, we didn't watch West Coast basketball. So all the way through Duke, North Carolina, which was one of the most crazy slash rigged games I've seen in a while. Uh, Oh, UCLA beat Arizona. I didn't even realize that. How about that? Um, (laughs) It was a great day. It was a great day of basketball. We had Kentucky, Tennessee in there. That was really good. Uh, We had um, Seton Hall, Villanova. That was really good. Penn State, Minnesota was a really good Big Ten game. It was a really good day of basketball. Uh, so I, I want to apologize to the game of college basketball. I gave up on you too yeah. soon. We're glad to have you back last week. Like most college basketball fans, you waited till after <laughs> the NFL was done to really give us some entertainment. Uh, so good job by you, college basketball, finally showing up. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, we also had that LSU-Auburn. That was good. Um Yep, but I yeah, I did right. feel like this too. was the first full Saturday of, of basketball just because there was no football to pay attention to. Well, there was. We'll get to that. But the, oh, yeah. the NFL, I was college being over. It was like um, there was you could turn any channel and there was this wall to wall basketball. Um, and we're in the middle yep. of getting in the middle of February. So now it's, you know, it's it's crunch time coming into March here, which had the 
Actually, CBS did that thing where they had the committee take out the top 16. Did you see that? Yep. I think it was what, did, only yeah. two Big Ten teams, Maryland being the highest seed at a three, I believe. I have to look it up. Um, yeah. 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 I think Maryland was a three, Michigan State was yeah, a four. Yeah, I believe that's right. Kind of surprising considering them all talk about how the Big Ten is uh, top conference, but I think they're starting to realize that it's really not. It's just a bunch of teams that are kind well, of in yeah. the middle. Well, it's a bunch of good teams, yep. but no great teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, so Baylor was your number one overall seed. Um, Dayton, uh, I'm sorry, San Diego. Ugh, what's two? What, did, what am I looking at? Kansas was the second yep. overall seed. Uh, what was I surprised at? I was Dayton looking at this. Was a two seed. something I was surprised. That was, yeah. West Virginia was a two seed. That felt weird. Oregon lost. They're going to drop from that, that four seed line. Um, oh, I was looking at this. I'm like, freaking Duke, Duke's bracket is so easy. It's <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Duke, Duke was a two seed, uh, with, uh, San Diego State as the one seed. Maryland is a three seed and Butler is a four seed. I think Butler's lost two games since this came out. Uh, that's probably not possible. <laughs> yeah, I think they one, but somehow they lost two. Um, yeah, this came out and I was like, of course Duke has the easiest seed. This is ridiculous. They're gonna play they're the two seed, they're gonna play in New York or they're gonna play in Carolina and then play in New York. And I was I was already prepping myself for it, but I was in total uh Duke conspiracy theory mode after the North Carolina Duke game. So uh yeah, top even looking at these top sixteen teams, like man, these are some flawed teams in the three and four line. Yeah, I, I it kind of it speaks to what co- what we were after we just gave a pat on the back for college basketball, but what kind of season yeah. it is, yeah. where there's just no. I mean, you wouldn't like there's n- usually there's a team that you could say. I mean, uh, Baylor's clearly number one should have a number one seed based on what they've done, but you don't yeah. look at Baylor and be like, wow, what a great team. Um, yeah, I couldn't even name a player right, on their exactly. Team. So it's not like years past where you probably have two or three. Teams that you're like, you know, these are fighting for a Final Four national title. We've got teams that have been doing well, but you, when you take a, a good yeah. look at them, you're like, I don't know if that's really a great team. Yeah. I don't see Kentucky in here. I think Kentucky might be good. It'll be yeah. interesting. It'll be interesting what shakes out. I think this year, more than any year, uh, you're going to see more fluctuation in these top four seeds just because of how to what you're saying, how not top heavy it is and how kind of close everything is. I mean, look at these four seeds, these three seeds that I know have lost sense. Like obviously they're going to drop out uh, and, and other teams are going to, are going to move up. It'll be very interesting. It's going to be a very flat tournament as far as that goes. Very flat as far as like what the difference is between, you know, a two and a seven seed. It's going to be very interesting to see how all that, all that shakes out. Um, do you want to talk more about the Duke North Carolina game? We can no, we don't have to. Okay. Uh, I mean, the ref certainly helped Duke. <laughs> I still don't know how that ball was off the Carolina guy when the Duke guy fouls him, first of all, then slaps the ball out of his hands, and it, and it goes out of bounds. And, and they called it North Carolina ball and somehow saw video evidence to overturn it. Uh, that baffles my mind. I, I, I don't know how they ever came to that conclusion. But that said, North Carolina did everything possible. Absolutely, absolutely. They just gave they just gave that one away. They just didn't want to win that game. Um, is what yeah, is what it comes down to. But uh, but yeah, no help from no help from the from the six man the refs. 
um, on yeah. that one. I, I definitely can see your point. This isn't just the Casey overreaction to a ref call, but I would like to see North Carolina obviously pull that off. And and it was two of the most ridiculous end of game shots yeah. that I've seen in in quite a long time. That uh, Tyus Jones, uh, Tyus Jones, Ty, Tyus, what what. One of the Joneses, uh, he, he was able to pull off, obviously making the one off of his own missed free throw, uh, and then the really air ball that was alley-ooped in, uh, absolutely unbelievable and ridiculous, so freaking Duke, unbelievable. All right, that's all I got in college basketball. <laughs> all right. Every time the NFL's over, full screen of basketball, we will now start to pay attention to NBA a little bit here. And what's a better way to bring in our friend Jacobs from Bucks Leading Radio Podcast to go over all things NBA and Bucks? All right, we're going to bring in our guest this week, uh, Jacobs. He's been a uh, repeat, repeat guest now. Uh, so I think by podcast rules, it means anytime we ask, he has to come on. So he did uh, called the signal today uh, and is on. Uh, as our, our fellow, fa- fellow fans know, this is about the time in the calendar. NFL's done. Football's not. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But NFL's done. We're peeking ahead in the NBA. We need to bring in an NBA expert to kind of catch us up on what we missed uh, in the season here so far. And mainly what happened in the trade deadline and catch us up and where we need to go from here. So, Jacobs, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah, friend of the podcast, recurring guest. Always happy to join. Um, it's always a fun conversation, so I'll, I'll never say no. Yeah, Good. Good. We will hold you to that. Um, and away we go. All right. Trade deadline. It happened. Uh, overall, a pretty dull trade deadline. Are there ever good trade deadlines in the no. NBA? That's a question. <laughs> yeah. What is with the deadline? Every time it comes up, we get super excited about what's <laughs> going to happen. When's the Woj bomb going to go? And every year we get disappointed with said trade deadline. I feel like it's it's never a letdown. It all depends on if you're rooting for your team to make a trade or not. If you're just a general NBA fan, I think it's fairly entertaining because you'll get some moves like last year. Um, I think Marcus Gasol was traded and there were some other interesting moves that were made as people pivot towards the playoffs because as you guys are talking about now, kind of every, you know, General sports fans going to start shifting their attention to the the NBA and the overall um, league there. And as we had the second half of the season, the All Star break, we're going to get a lot more eyes on it. So I think it's I think it's fun. But I mean, anytime there's a deadline like that, yeah, it can get a little overhyped. Whatever happened to that Marcus Aldridge? I don't remember anything that came out of that really. So uh, we don't need to we don't need to worry well, about ha- the result the of that. Make a run and win the NBA Finals. Oh, is that what happened? I already oh, I totally blacked it out. Totally blacked it oh, out. Oh yeah, Let that <laughs> happened. Blacked out Fred Van Vliet's fire game from three point. Hey, yeah. hey, you know he had a kid and <laughs> became the best shooter in the NBA. That stuff just happens. That stuff just happens. <laughs> is is okay. that why? Are you enlisting in the draft now with your back, second child? So you back, be fired. That's right. Oh man, I'm. I get out in the driveway when it's warm enough, man. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> Next, Steve Novak out here. Yeah. The ball hasn't bounced over to the neighbors on the other side of the neighbor's fence in, in, in weeks. It's been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Let's suppress the last playoffs down a little bit. Yes. Get that back under. Uh, and let's look at what happened in the trade deadline. Let's start with, uh, I guess, two trades were made in the East to, I guess, the Bucks, probably the Bucks' biggest competition. Uh, the 76ers adding Alec Burke and 
Glenn Robinson Jr. and the Heat adding Iguodala. Uh, which one of these worries you more, I guess, in regard to a team really challenging the Bucks, who appear to be the best team in the East? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, the Sixers don't scare me at all. We can get into that in a second. It's my ham, it's Miami Heat, 100%. Um, and for those of you listening, uh, I have my own podcast, The Bucks Leading Radio. Plug it now early great. and often. Forgot. My bad. Um, you're good. You're good. Uh, and we were talking about this. My best friend was on and he, uh, is a very, Ouch. has a very keen eye for sports. And, and he actually mentioned the Miami Heat as being yeah. the biggest competition for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and that, Kind of threw me for a loop because I kind of forget about them mm-hmm. throwing the game. I like Jimmy Butler hasn't been as drama filled. There's not a lot, but oh, they are. I was gonna say it's gonna come. Yeah, it will exactly. come. <laughs> and, and apparently, Iguodala is bringing all the drama in Memphis. So you know, but they're fourth in the East, thirty-four and seventeen, uh, and it's scared. They scare me the most. Jimmy Butler is a scary uh, basketball player. He was clearly Philly's best option when he was there to close out a game, hit that last shot. Now with him gone. The 76ers don't have a lot, and they showed it the, the other night in Milwaukee when they they played us tough, but they're not good enough to beat us. Uh, they're not deep enough. Joel Embiid takes more threes than he does post shots. Ben Simmons still can't shoot. Um, Al Horford was probably like one of their most key pieces right now. He's the most consistent. He um, is the scariest from a Milwaukee fan's perspective from a defensive end, and he somehow always gets open threes. And Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III, I think, help that team and makes it deeper, which, as I mentioned, was their, is their biggest issue. But I don't think it takes them up a level or makes them any more scarier than I had originally thought. Andre Iguodala on the Miami Heat brings a veteran leadership, a guy who won a finals MVP not just a few years ago. He is a decent outside shooter. He's going to come off the bench and he's going to be able to lead that second unit as well as provide that veteran leadership to guys like Tyler Hero, who is their rookie in, uh, rookie year in the league. You know, you are playing with a guy with Jimmy Butler who has a, uh, I don't even know, like a very uh, in-your-face personality, especially when it comes to practice and playing hard. And so I think it adds a lot. And Miami Heat, as I mentioned, being fourth in the East, could be scary if they make a run and catch catch fire in the playoffs. What about you guys? What do you guys think? I mean, you're now just paying attention to the NBA. So you have to check the <laughs> what, what's the opinion on you guys? No, I think uh, I think you hit it with the 76ers. I think Alec Burke and Big Dog Jr. will add – uh, some depth to the team, but I think when it comes down to playoff time, it comes down to crunch time. You know those bigger minutes. I don't think they're going to be out there, you know, uh, on on the floor during that. Uh, the Heat, I think, will be an interesting matchup if the Bucks do play against them. Um, Tyler Harrow, he's not a friend of the program right now uh, nope. after his shots at at Wisconsin basketball. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if he wants to come on on the prod, you know, hash that out. We're we're more than happy to have him on, but uh, not a friend of the pod right now. Uh, any concern with Iguodala's kind of sabbatical that he had, that he's, you know, not getting any younger? Uh, I guess you could take it two ways. One, you know, maybe there's a little bit of rust. Maybe he can't kick it back up into playoff. That's, I guess, the negative side of it. And the positive side for Iguodala is, hey, now he's rested and he's going to be charged up for the for the playoff, a stretch and playoff run. So we'll see what Iguodala we get. But I guess it doesn't matter until the playoffs come. Yeah, I thought it was well done by Iggy to just kind of be like, ah, Memphis, no thank you. I'll just wait till you guys trade me. Uh, getting traded to Heat, which, like, uh, Jacuz went over, is going to be a contender this year with, with, with Jimmy Butler. Uh, playing very well again. 
again, keeping the drama out. I still believe that's coming up at some point here before the season is done. Um, but as long as we can, as long as they can keep it together, it should be an interesting, uh, you know, second half going into those playoffs. Just heat probably pushing. What are you thinking? Probably hit that two, three seed. I think, yeah, I think they'll probably get to that three seed. Um, Boston's going to be tough and, and the Raptors themselves are going on a run. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them, but. You know, and let's not overshadow Bam Adebayo, who's having a great season. He made the all, is going to make an All Star appearance, um, as well as Jimmy Butler. And surprisingly, in my mind, the Heat are going to be a contender this year. I I never I didn't think that the addition of Jimmy Butler was going to be uh, was going to elevate them to a top five team in the East, who has the potential to contend to get out of the East as well. Uh, they're currently losing to the Trailblazers, however, which is interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, Bam Adebayo this year, he's averaging 34 minutes. He's shooting over 50% from the field, and he's averaging 16 points per game. And as a um, 9% from three-point, though, but I guess, you know, not everybody can do what the Milwaukee Bucks do in shooting three-pointers. I probably can't shoot 9% either. Um Hey, for, take it easy with all the stats. Our listeners aren't used to all that, all <laughs> true, that real stats. True stats. <laughs> yeah, I can make some fake stats up too. Don't worry, we can get there. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I guess those were the kind of the big trades, at least the trades I was interested in the East. Let's go to uh, the trade or combination of the trades in the West. And what are the Houston Rockets doing? Because they're basically fielding a team of what six, seven, and smaller guys now. Basically, they're just going full small ball. I, I don't, I don't understand it. You, 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 uh, to give a little insight into how the how the uh, podcast is made, I got a nice message from Casey on what we're going to talk about, and you had a question of like, what is Houston doing? And and I don't understand it. I don't, I didn't understand the them going and getting Russell Westbrook because yeah, yeah. you don't need two primary ball handlers on a team, and everybody, including myself, is curious on how it's going to work out and. I don't think it is. They're 33 and 20. They are what they are fifth in the West. I, they don't scare me at all as a team, nor I, are they going to make it out of the second round, probably in the Western conference, which has stacked. And I mean, that, that conference has always been one of the LA teams conference to lose mm-hmm. Houston trading and, and basically consistently running a small ball lineup is it does not help them in this case, especially when the Los Angeles Lakers, who presumably is the favorite to get out of the West, has Anthony Davis, who is one of the best big men in the NBA right now. Yeah, it was pretty interesting, though. That, right, the first game after the trade, though, they played the Lakers, and it's like they Jedi mind-tricked the Lakers into a lot of forcing the ball inside, which I think I think this will work. The small ball all the time is going to be a good regular season thing. Right, because you'll catch a team who's like, I don't know how to play against this, and then they're making shots in any given night. But you go in a series against the Lakers or against any other team that has a person, you know, over six ten, and it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be a challenge to compete game after game against that. I, it'll be interesting to watch. I almost said fun. I don't think it's gonna be fun because James Harden's still on the team. Yeah. Oh. Not your type of basketball, Casey. It'll, hey. I'm I'm a purist. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, big uh, big Popovich guy. Love watching the Spurs. <laughs> oh, <back> yeah. The <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me tell you. Mid range shots. Man, every get me going. Let me tell you. Big um, shots. Offense. It's very technically sound. Need five at least five passes before shot goes up. That's right. 
That's Although, Badger. That's Badger fans for you. <laughs> that's right. James Harden. <laughs> James Harden would not have fit into those kinds of programs. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, where was it? So in a series, I, I don't know. It, I think it'll be interesting just to see how far they can push this. And they're obviously going all in. Uh, the Rockets are. Uh, but fun. Don't know if that'll be fun. And I agree with you. I don't know that it's going to make them a bigger threat or a better team to advance within the playoffs in that stacked Western Conference. No, and, and just to add a couple other things to that, like Clint Capella, obviously who we're referencing was traded, if you're listening and didn't know. Um, you know, they're starting center, but they have a, a decent game plan with him where they would run high pick and roll screens with Harden because then mm-hmm. they would draw the center up and Clint and Harden would basically run a, um, what is it called in football or the quarterback can either hand off a ball or take it himself. And that's what Harden would basically do. And he could either take the shot himself or he could bounce pass or get it to Clint for a slam or an easy layup, yeah. throw an alley-oop. You know, that, that was a lot of how they were scoring inside. And, and when you take that away, it makes Harden's and Russell Westbrook's job even harder because now there's one less person you need to worry about on the inside when they're driving it to the hoop like that. Yeah. I think you're loop a read option, read option on that. Yes, one. read option. Thank you. All right, let's read option into the next question. Um, oh, but I'm. Sh- <laughs> uh, the question is: Did the Bulls make Levine untouchable enough? Uh, Marlon, do you want to answer that question? <laughs> wow. Was there? I mean, I mean, could they have made him more untouchable? I think that's what they needed to do in this trade deadline. Um, Marlo, your thoughts. <laughs> Please. I'm on the edge of my seat. Have, could they have made him more untouchable? Um, like most things Garn Packs do, it was not done well, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think they could. I think, I mean, I guess the, you, you can always be worse, right? Can you? I, yeah. I, well, I, mean, I keep thinking you can't, and they keep finding a way too, so. My assumption is you could always be worse. Well, we were joking how, uh, as we got ready for for the pod, that they were losing to the Cavs. So I guess I guess you can be worse. <laughs> are they are. They're they currently the are being worse. Yes. Yeah. No, they beat the Cavs. So oh, they ended up going for it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. You could be worse. You could be the Cavs. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Bulls. I mean, <sighs> Zach Levine. <laughs> Not playing terrible. Um, Kobe White. Well, yeah, he's playing. He's playing very good. All star snub. Yeah, all star snub. There it is. Yeah, it's not like Bledsoe should have made it over Zach. I don't know. Um, Kobe White's got some really good talent. Uh, Lori Markkinen is still a solid player. Very young. He's only regressing. Um, Kobe White's nineteen. So there is potential for this team if they can hopefully round those players out and develop them into what they could be, um, or trade them to a team that could actually do it. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, maybe. I, but you bring no. up two things. Yes, you're correct in that. But you also, in those two things, those are two key things that this organization, this current form are not good at mm-hmm. developing players and trading at the right time for the right players. All right. So that's, uh, doesn't, doesn't give much hope. I agree that Mark, I, I thought marketing would take a bigger step this year, mm-hmm. uh, going forward. He hasn't really. It, it's been more of a plateau, if not a small regression. Uh, in that, I, you know, I do like um, White as a player. He is fun to watch. Uh, great hair, is, but yeah, great hair. Always a good, <laughs> always a good hair day with that guy. It's fun. He's um, just fun watching him run around out there. Let me tell you. Yeah, and when he, I mean, he's streaky, but when he gets hot, it's you know, he's those. Uh, when he gets hot, it, it's pretty. He's on fire. I mean, 
you could be worse and be the Detroit Pistons and just sure. take all of the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> players that are below average or just couldn't make it. I mean, that team now has Don Maker, Christian Wood, John Henson, Brandon Knight. Um, I think that might be it off the top of my head, but all of those players are former Bucks players and recent memory that were just not good enough to be on a championship caliber team. So I don't know uh, what that says about the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. John Henson being involved was in a trade was just for Andre sh- Drummond, who's arguably one of the best, like true centers in the NBA, still left. It was it was fantastic. I it was amazed that he was still in the NBA. So good job by you, John Henson. Probably hasn't you know bulked up at all. I'm sure just pr- still a s- string pull out there. Same thing with that maker. He was eating all those PB and J's. It wasn't not good enough. Very uh, Wisconsin joke, if you were a Bucks fan, but yes, sorry. <laughs> deep cuts, deep cuts, deep cuts. All right, uh, any trade deadline? Any trade that we didn't talk about that you think will have an impact? I guess going forward or on the playoffs or, or something that that we missed. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about, and I want to get your guys' assessments. The D'Angelo Russell trade oh, yeah. made like no sense to me. <laughs> I get it. Like the Golden State Warriors, they get D'Angelo Russell, which you're like. Wow, you're going to have a great backcourt. How are they all going to mesh together? It's the same question you had with Houston when you brought in Russell Westbrook because you're going to have, you had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, and then D'Angelo Russell. And obviously Clay sitting out this year with a torn ACL. And then it was Steph and D'Angelo. And you're like, all right, two really good point guards, um, also very primary ball handlers. See how that pans out. Steph obviously gets hurt. D'Angelo mm-hmm. kind of does what he can with mm-hmm. the depleted Golden State Warriors. Now, they literally got like nothing for him. I can't even tell you what they received in that trade. Um, and there is zero value in it. They got a player, I can't, I don't remember. Oh no, they got Andrew Wiggins. Andrew right? Wiggins. Yeah. yeah. You got a nothing garbage player, a second round pick, and you <laughs> gave up an all-star point guard. Like, what are you doing? Um, shout out to the Timberwolves for making that happen. And I think that will elevate the Timberwolves because Carl Anthony Towns now has his best friend. He actually has mm. a player who's going to perform unlike Andrew Wiggins and will probably play harder. But, um, that trade just made zero sense to me from the Golden State Warriors perspective. They did not capitalize on having an asset like that. I mean, Pat Riley is doing amazing things with hardly any assets and the Golden State Warriors had one of the best ones and could make nothing happen. So what do you think, guys think about that? A little harsh on Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's only twenty something low low twenties here. No, no, uh, he's, he's really he's 20s. really young, maybe mid twenties. Uh, he's one of the guys. It's like he's been around forever, and you think uh, not that I think he's going to former be number good. one pick. There you go, former number one pick. Just waiting for that potential to come mm-hmm. out. Uh, I think I think Golden State. Went out, got D'Angelo Russell, and expected him to be more sought after and expected to be able to get a higher price for this. In hindsight, I don't think they ever intended to keep him for very long. You know, we heard all about how they weren't going to trade him and and they were going to see how everything worked out there in Golden State. But it doesn't, pretty obviously, especially with just getting essentially Andrew Wiggins out of the deal, that that was their plan all along to move him almost no matter what, especially in a season like this when it went as bad as it did. But, uh, I think they were expected a larger trade option than just Andrew Wiggins. So they cashed in the only chip that they had, and that was Andrew Wiggins. And I guess if you look at the team, you get Clay back, you get Seth back next year, and Wiggins, you just want him to be a 3 and D guy. Is he an overqualified 3 and D guy who doesn't show up for... 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe he could be that. I, I don't know. That's that's definitely something different than he's been asked to do his entire career. Um, he will have the ball much less uh, in Golden State than he did in Minnesota. I think that's what Golden State's gambling on. I think it's a gamble. I just don't think there was as much a market for D'Angelo Russell as they thought there would be when they signed him. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins, 24, is going to be 25 in a few days. So happy birthday, Andrew. <sighs> to be so young. <laughs> to be so young. But yeah, I think when when does Steph come back? Do you know? Is he uh, pretty soon? He's out. He's been practicing, I know, in a yeah. game shoot around. So yeah, pretty soon there. So um yeah, I don't I th- I guess when I saw it, my thought was that that, you know, obviously this this year is uh you know pretty much over. Uh but they were kind of looking f- looking forward. What could they get for him now? Uh what could they get for him now, if anything? Obviously they got uh Wiggins. And would they need him kind of in the future as stuff is coming back? Is that really going to work out uh, with their with their plan going forward? Hopefully, getting back to to championship form. So, it, it, like I, said, I think it, it might have been a chip to play, throw it out there, and that's just what they got back. Um, and they rather get back something instead of nothing. I guess. I mean, he has like, he's on a four year, hundred and seventeen million dollar contract. So it's not like if you keep him, like if you can't make something happen. Mm-hmm. During the trade deadline, to me, it's like, well, fuck it. The season's, um, the season's done already. Yeah, like they're tanking. They're not going to go anywhere. Yep. Keep him and maybe make something happen in the off season when you're going to have teams really reevaluating what they need and can trade and see all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It's it, again, it just seemed kind of weird to me and like, mm-hmm. why would that happen? But anyway, that's D'Angelo Russell, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, yeah. it's that's it his was- career. Yeah, the whole thing was the whole thing was weird. Him signing in Golden State was weird uh, to begin with. Uh, it didn't seem like that's what they what, that's what they needed there. Uh, one other trade that I, I didn't bring up: uh, Marcus Morris to the Clippers. Is that yeah? Is that going to be anything? No, it doesn't feel like a good fit for me. I, I don't know. I haven't seen too much Clippers because most of the time. Half the people I want to watch play are not playing, so I don't I don't True. tune in too much to him. But uh, he was putting up stats on a really bad Knicks team. You know, obviously you know him from his Boston days. I don't know how much he's going to improve that Clippers team. I mean, it does. I'll give it. I'll give it this: the Clippers had this or have the same problem the Sixers have, as well as the um, Lakers, in that they're not very deep. Once you get past their all stars. In Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the LA Clippers, respectively. There's not a lot on these teams. So adding Marcus Morris, I think, does give it a little bit more uh, roundedness. It'll it'll help that second unit probably because I don't can't imagine he's going to be starting. Right. Um, I guess you know tough in that Western uh, Western Conference market not catching games because who has enough time to watch all these NBA games when you're not getting paid for it? So I mean, <laughs> it'll be it'll be really interesting. Everybody wants to pay me to watch them. Yeah. My phone is on. So. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Anything that you thought would happen that didn't, or a team that you're surprised didn't make a move? Hmm. Good question. I'm surprised the Lakers didn't do anything more. I think that they know that there's something missing from that team to really give them that step above or that edge over other teams, especially mm-hmm. coming to a playoff run. Um, and you know, they have some assets that they could move. They really overvalue Kyle Kuzma, I believe, and weren't going to give him up for basically anything, but 
an all-star player and it seemed kind of odd to me. So I, I think yeah. I was a little surprised that I didn't see them make a move because they're imperfect. Um, mm-hmm. like every team is, I guess, but that was probably my biggest thing. Uh, my biggest surprise trade was Andre Drummond, um, for John Henson because <laughs> as well, I mean, yeah, like, could we talk about the Cavs front court really quickly? Like yeah. I don't even like talk about an organization that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, I just, it makes zero sense to me. Andre Drummond and then who? Tristan yeah. Thompson. Yeah. And now, now a backup. Yep. Now a backup. So you're going to have Kevin Love and you're going to have Andre Drummond. It's like a poor, it's, you just got a poor man's Blake Griffin basically now to play with. <laughs> and yeah, I don't even know that that organization is going nowhere, but shout out Matthew Delavadova still on there. Nice. Um, Deli. Deli things, you know. What about you guys? No, I think there, I'm there with you. I don't know what the Lakers could have done. They have such a weird kind of contract set up with LeBron and AD kind of on, on the top end. And you mentioned Kuzma being their own trade piece, but he's selling a rookie contract. So it's really hard to make the salaries match, which is a weird thing you got to think about with the NBA. Um, and I just don't think that the way they valued him, uh, even with that terrible hair color, um, was okay boomer oh wait <laughs> it's not, it, it looks so weird with the yellow jerseys out there it looks it looks weird um man I've got okay boomer on my own podcast absolutely brutal uh i just didn't Can't i didn't think it was gonna happen there but nothing I, I was surprised didn't happen um and i think you know we'll talk about the bucks not doing anything i guess in a little bit but they ended up doing something in the, I guess, after waivers or, or what have you. So uh, we'll talk about that then. All right. Uh, before we get on to the Bucks, uh, All-Star mm-hmm. game coming up next weekend yeah. in Chicago. Are we going? We're probably we, totally boys, going. Totally going to go. We're to totally Chicago. going. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Look for us there. Yeah, All the three really amigos. Gonna want you to go to Chicago for yeah. All-Star weekend. That's right. <laughs> Just, you know, we'll be hanging courtside for all, all the things. Uh what should we what what should we be excited about in this All Star game? Do you get excited for All Star games? The any of the skill competition, dunk contests, three pointers, anything like that? What do you what does All Star weekend look like for for you, Jacobs? It's a good question. Um, let's start out with the the thing that's going to put all the butts in the seats, and that's Pat Connaughton yeah. in the dunk contest. Everybody, hashtag Let Pat Dunk. <laughs> it was a grassroots movement. Um, started when uh, a fan on Twitter. We all started, they started the hashtag, hashtag let Pat dunk. Then, um, a petition was started by, uh, at Snell season. Shout out at Snell season. If you're not following him, it's some great basketball content. He is a Tony Snell stan for some reason. Yeah. And uh, I've seen that. I've seen that rolling around Twitter (laughs) on your feed. Jesus. (laughs) And, um, and then that got uh, thousands of signatures. So the NBA invited Pat to the dunk contest, which I am super excited about. Yeah. Uh, shows the power of the fans, especially in the NBA. Um, Overall, however, no. I want to see Pat Beverly doing the skills competition in Tim's, um, and, you know, the dunk contest. I could care less about the All-Star game, the outcome of the All-Star game. The, it, you'll get some crazy dunks, maybe some fun plays, but overall, it's not very entertaining. There isn't a way to make it entertaining, I don't think. The NFL has the same issue with the Pro Bowl. The MLB does have something where, they play basically for home field advantage in the World Series, so that does. Add oh, they don't. A bit of they don't do that anymore. They don't. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Man, yeah. Then why do I care about that? Right. <laughs> then you just care about the home run contest, and that's it. So, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm 
going to probably even tune in. Shout out Giannis, though. Very interesting GM taking shots at Harden during the draft, which is pretty funny. But That's great. Yeah, what do you guys think? Are you guys excited? I mean, Marlo, you got to be. Uh, man, I, was, I was so excited when they announced it was going to be in Chicago, and now I care less. Um, why? I, I Well, one, there's no bulls in it. Two, there's no, <laughs> not even in the skills competition. It's, uh, I don't, I, I still don't under, quite know how I feel about the, the, um, the whole drafting of the all-star team with captains. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I could go either way on it, but, uh, the dunk contest for me, I, oh, I have finally stopped getting hyped for it because it's always a letdown. It took me a long time to get there, but I just kind of think back to, you know, Vince Carter. One day, someone's going to be a Vince Carter and make a difference. And it's just not going to happen. Even though Aaron Gordon's back in the dunk contest. Yeah. Because he can't um, do anything else. <laughs> that's fine. And I don't know why Dwight, Dwight Howard's not doing anything, so he's back in it. But he's back in it. The, the whole skills um, competition has gotten weird, too, with the big, big versus small aspect to it and it takes too long to get to the dunk contest and then yeah i don't know the all-star game you're right like it's it's not it's not that it's not entertaining um they're very good athletes it's fun to watch if you if you go if that's what you're looking for but as an actual game it's it kind of just it's a waste of time oh you guys forget to talk about the ridiculously confusing rules they put in for the all-star oh game. shoot yeah it's gonna that's it's right. gonna oh, make I it i remember seeing something about it this, is yeah. gonna make it so entertaining so if you win a quarter all right, you your team gets money for the charity that you picked. Uh, right. LeBron picked a, a Chicago schools charity or something that one of our friends helps out in. As a sweet humble brig by him being like, "Look, I volunteer at this organization that LeBron <laughs> picked." Um, good job by him. Uh, and I don't I don't know what the other one is, but their team they win I think a hundred thousand dollars if they win a quarter, so they're competing for that. I'm sure they all care a lot. And then for the fourth quarter, I think you. Add your scores, cumulative scores, and then the team that is winning, you add 25 points to, and then you play to that number. It's very confusing. It'll probably yeah, make more super sense. Confusing. It, that's more confusing than the way they did the uh, the basketball tournament end of game, whatever yeah. format that was. Very confusing. That's very confusing. Yeah, we should talk about that maybe after this on the potential of adding an in-season tournament in the NBA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even know about those rules changes. It's, I thought I read something too where it resets to zero every quarter. Yeah, but they the keep score does. it does it it resets to zero, which doesn't make what? any sense. But then they add it all back up at the end of the third quarter, so it's still cumulative. You like add all the scores, and then whichever team is winning, you add twenty. I think it's tw- no, it's twenty four because of Kobe Bryant. Twenty four points to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and then that's like so. If they have a hundred points, you have the first team to it's a hundred to ninety. At the end of three quarters, which would be a very low scoring all star game. (laughs) Then the first team to 124 points wins the game. Even though one team's at 90. That's stupid. Yeah. It's very, (laughs) and like the fact that they're putting the scores to zero after every quarter shows the little faith that they have in the viewer to just do the mental math. Well, you can just show the thing on the screen and they they do it all the time where you show like, oh, in this quarter, you know, the Bucks. Outscored the Spurs thirty-four to twenty-four. I can see it on the screen. They don't have to start at zero. I understand how scores work. Ugh. Unbelievable. Uh, Pat Connaughton, by the way, plus three seventy-five to win the gun dunk contest. Aaron Gordon plus one fifteen. Solid bet. Derek Big Jones one eighty. Dwight Howard, old man, four seventy-five to win. Does, um, do you guys like? 
The only reason I want to see Dwight Howard in the dunk contest is if another guy, Nate Robinson, sizes jumping over him. Right. Yes. 100%. I do not want to watch that old man dunk. Unless, no. he, unless he, I don't know. The, here's the, here's the problem with the dunk contest. Okay, solve it. Here we go. Well, I, I'm not going to solve it, but the, <laughs> the problem is you just want to see a clip. That's all you want to. You want to see the dunk happen. You want to see the five seconds that it takes. The dunk contest to do a dunk takes like three minutes. <laughs> so you're sitting around waiting for the dunk to happen, and then the five seconds you want to actually watch happens. It's like watching football, except. You don't always, you don't get the payoff in, in, in the way football is. It's very strange. It's not any fun. They can't fix it. It's it's broken because our our attention spans are broken and what we want. Um, so there we go. I, I didn't solve anything. Just argued against yourself there. No. If our attention spans are that short, then all we would care about is the five second dunk. Yeah, exactly. Most people aren't paying attention. I mean, the tries are kind of fun because they can really f it up no, sometimes. But like. Then it happens, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that was great." And then you look back down at your phone until you hear it happen again. <laughs> no, but I want to. I want to see the. That's the only part you I want to see, but it's drawn out too much. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a viewing spectacle enough. I want. I want to tune in. Yeah, I think they should put in the blocker, and then that should be part of the aspect. Ooh, they should put yeah, in the blocker. That was they great. Do like if the, if you get blocked, you like lose 10k to whoever blocked you. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay, real quick question for you guys. Yep. Are we going to get to a point where we just get rid of these games? Like the Pro Bowl, the All-Star game, and like we just focus on like the All-NBA teams and first team all first team all defensive or whatever and kind of look at those stats as being kind of the cuz I feel like becoming an All-Star has lost a little bit of its luster now, especially if guys like Chris Middleton are getting in there. You know, I mean, not how, great. How, how dare debatable you? Debatable All-Star. How dare you? Um I think absolutely the Pro Bowl in the NFL should be gone. There's no reason to be playing that game. Just make them Pro Bowlers. That's, you know, the All-NFL, All-NBA, whatever. Just do that. There's no reason to actually play that game. It's not a spectacle. NBA, I'm wishy-washy on. MLB, I still like. Baseball, I think, still has a thing because it's it's such an individual game. You still get to see, you know, your Max Scherzer versus Aaron Judge. Like, you get to see that at bat. You get to see that contest. Baseball is such a different sport than the other ones that we're talking about that the all-star game makes sense because you're just plugging players anyway. So to do that in baseball is totally fine. It doesn't work in NBA, especially with the draft, and it for sure doesn't work in NFL. So you don't like the draft? I mean, Marlo, you mentioned it, but like, yeah. you, guys didn't like, you guys don't like that? I don't. I, I can't. I think – I guess I'm coming around to it, but I I don't know. I – um. I don't know what it what it really brings to to the to the All Star game. Uh, I it'd be different if, if I feel like I would love the draft back in the day when everyone didn't like each other and they <laughs> they would actually say it, um, and that'd be fun because then you know you can actually be like, no, I'm not having that scrub in my team, and they would say it out loud. Uh, but this one, I think it's just like LeBron's friends and yeah, friends and company playing uh, against each other. I mean, it does add the potential for like non. Like East and West players playing together. Yeah. Before, and I think probably why they did it is because the West is so stacked. They were yeah. just like, oh, the West is going to run, run away with it. Yeah. But even this year, Giannis literally picked all Eastern Conference players and LeBron picked all Western Conference players. So <laughs> it is East versus West. Didn't even, yeah. didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose now, now that I think about it. Yeah. yeah I guess, <laughs> I guess. 
But I, I like the East versus West. I like the NL versus AL aspect of it. Although in baseball, it's more pronounced because you don't play those, you know, each other as often. Whereas in basketball, you play each other a little bit more. So you, you see the matchups a bit more. I like the, the conference aspect of it. I guess it's I mean, back now because they drafted. The <laughs> yeah, it is. Started. Are you a baseball fan, Casey? Yeah, sure. I'm a Brewers yeah. fan. So every pitch. God, really? No, <laughs> I do. You do not watch every pitch, Marlo. <laughs> I Marlo, don't record a podcast in your closet. There's no way you watch. Every <laughs> <pitch>. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't get into it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, off no. Topic. I'll let you, I, I'll let you get the podcast back on the rails. All right, wait. We'll try. We'll do our best. All right, I'll start game. Even though we're NBA fans, most of us um, probably not going to watch it. So have fun watching that, <laughs> fellow fans. You should tune in. All right, let's talk Bucks. Um, I guess first, I just want to start. Let's just take a moment to reflect on the first half of the season and how amazing it was. The Bucks, yeah, the yeah. Bucks. It, um, it's it's been a ride. I like honestly, I haven't been posting as many episodes on my podcast because it's how often can you just continue to say man we're so good <laughs> and then it comes boring and repeatable and yeah. it's going to be a little salty for marlo on here with the bulls not performing <laughs> and the bucks being the best team in the nba yeah. but you had your time with mj so we get ours with the honest but it's been awesome because this team is not perfect either you know i mentioned it earlier in this episode that all nba teams are imperfect and there's always ways to improve and that's what's crazy at 44 and 7, 45 and 7. They are not playing their best basketball. Brooke Lopez is having a below average year in his three point percentage. Um, you know, we lost Eric Bledsoe for a little bit. George Hill has been injured and, you know, we're seeing some guys kind of step up, but there's still room for it to prove. Wes Matthews hasn't even been shooting his average from three either. And, you know, we've had games where we shoot, you know, 20% or lower from three point and we lose a game or, Teams take advantage like Denver did against our defense, which promotes open three-point shots. And if they're able to knock them down, that is the way to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. There's, you know, a way to beat us. So there's things that we can still tighten up, but we're still 45 and seven on pace for 70 wins and could potentially make the playoffs or clinch our playoff spot the earliest anybody's ever done in the NBA, which is before the all-star break. I believe the Golden State Warriors did it like February. 17th or something like that. It was two days after the all-star game that season. So it's, it's awesome. And it's been so much fun to watch. I can tell Bucks fans are getting jaded already because nobody's going to games. Tickets to go to that Philly game Thursday night were like $24. And that's ridiculous. Like if you live in like, I, okay, I shouldn't talk because I don't like going to weeknight games, but that's just for my own personal reason. But, um, like that was a playoff game. That was a playoff atmosphere. Yeah. That should have been a packed house. Um, and it, it was, but like it's tough and we can get into that. But this first half of the season is awesome. The addition of Robin Lopez and Kyle Corver, shout out Kyle Corver, got his jersey. Um, because <laughs> that I think was one of the biggest offseason gets for the Bucks because it showed that people wanted to come here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's been having a decent year and, Frick, man, we actually have a shot at the title, and there could be a parade in Milwaukee this summer. Yeah. I think what's this point to hear people being disinterested? Because I think as, you know, a I guess longtime Bucks fan, it's I just go into every game and I go, 
holy crap, I expect to win this thing. And that's mm-hmm. every game. And for, I mean, what was it, four years ago, five years ago, we won 14 games. And it's like the turnaround and, and just the, the expectation going into every game being like, I think we can win this. It, it's just a weird feeling. And like, yeah, you get used to it. And I got, I'm trying to, and part of why I wanted to start out talking this way and just kind of more of a, a positive reflection is like, got to pinch yourself sometimes and be like, Hey, look at how good this is going. Yeah. We want to be better. We want to, you know, win the championship and all that. But like to be able to do this every game is something I, I had never felt as a Bucks fan, even back to the, the, the Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson days. Like it wasn't like this where like, I have this high of expectation, this much enjoyment out of, out of every game. So um, I, I think with this Bucks team, I'm just trying to, what I'm a long way of saying, I'm trying to live in the moment a little bit more and like enjoy it. It's much more talking about being a baseball fan. It's much more like this buck season has been much more like being a baseball fan than any season I've had where like I'm following it day to day. I'm watch, you know, if I'm not watching the whole game, I'm peeking in on the games, that sort of thing. And that doesn't always happen for the bucks because normally <laughs> we're not competing. It's not fun every night, but this year it's fun every night, fun to follow. Uh, and you know, I think only good things to go from here, but, uh, wanted to reflect a little bit. Um, we talked about, uh, the Bucks not making a trade at the deadline, not making any moves, but it sounds like they made a move right after the trade deadline. And is this, is this final Marvin Williams is coming to Milwaukee? Yes. That's that's happening. Yes. So Marvin Williams is coming to Milwaukee. Uh, buyout market has started the Bucks. Marvin Williams got bought out by the Charlotte and, um, committed to signing with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the Bucks then responded by waving Dragon Bender to make room for Marvin Williams on the team. Um, and that again shows the power of Giannis and the power yeah. of being the best team in the NBA. Kemba Walker, Marvin's former teammate, was um, caught on camera in press after I think shoot around or something like that. And um, Marvin Williams' contract buyout got mentioned, and he asked. And the fact that he's going to Milwaukee was also mentioned. Yeah. And he was caught by surprise, probably in the hopes that Marvin Williams would end up going to Boston to play with Kemba again. Um, for those of you who don't know, Marvin Williams is a power forward, small forward. Um, he's a little older. I believe he's in his mid-30s. Um, he averages about 37% from three-point. He's told to be a big locker room guy, big glue guy, yeah. um, You know, holds teams together uh, and does a lot, I think, from that aspect. And I think he'll provide some good veteran leadership. He is a competent defender, which I think you need at that, which we need at that wing. Um, Ursan's great, but can only take so many charges in a game. So you need somebody that can actually hopefully lock down the opposing wing, especially in that second lineup to sure up that, um, our second level's defense. So Marvin Williams, I think it's good. Um, I was happy we didn't make a trade. Um, you know, talking about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. This team, as I mentioned when we started talking about them, has some imperfections and has some places where they can improve. But I don't think a trade was ever going to do it. This team has become friends. Their morale has never been higher between the you know WWE wrestling in the tunnels before the games to the fact that Kyle Korver just last night talked about how there's a non-dunk team, non-dunk group and a dunk group, and called <laughs> out Eric Bledsoe for not being a dunker. Um, and you know you can kind of tell they're having fun. They like playing with each other and they come out and they play hard every night. So trading someone away from that, I think could have probably been more detrimental to the team than helpful. Um, and I think this buyout market is going to be interesting as they sure up tr- some of these things, as I mentioned, getting a solid wing defender on that bench. 
Um, and unfortunately, letting Dragon Bender go, he, I was a fan of his. I think he's got potential and could develop into something good. He's only 22, um, solid three point shooter. Um, so it could be good, good. Best of luck to him wherever he ends up. But yeah, this team, uh, making moves, slight ones, just little, little changes. This is all you want to see because we're s- such a good core right now. Yeah, I agree with you as far as not making a trade. Uh, at least it would if we would have made a trade, even if it would have made the team better, I think it would have made the team less fun because part of the fun of this team has been watching the other players step up in the wake of Brogdon uh, going to uh, Indiana. Uh, you know, Connaughton, DiVincenzo, players like that who have kind of made a mini leap into, into their roles that they have now is part of what makes this team so fun. Uh, and I think if you would have made a trade, you would have lost some of that. Maybe it would have brought in a more f- a fun player that would have exceeded that, but it would have changed how this season has felt. Totally didn't know Marvin Williams was on Charlotte beforehand, but we all remember him from almost being drafted by the Bucks. Number one, he went number two when we got Andrew Bogut. So, uh, that was part of that. Um, all right. Um, all, all the old people remember that. All the old people. We remember that. <laughs> <laughs> if you go, no, cause I, <laughs> I very, very much remember Damn. that. Cause Twice. it, it was, um, Bogut or him. It was Bogut or him. And it, like, if you look at back at the number one picks, like before Bogut, it's, it's ridiculous. And then it's Bogut, who was a very good player. But not, it, I mean, it was like LeBron James and like, it's ridiculous. I, I got to go look back. I haven't done it in a while because it's frustrating. But like, it's like career uh, or uh, franchise player, franchise player, Andrew Bogut, very good player, franchise player, franchise player. Um, you know, just that's the year we got the number one pick. Uh, all right. So expectations now looking forward, uh, adding Marvin Williams, you know, with the team we got, uh, what are you expecting uh, for the remainder of the year for this Bucks team? I mean, you're going to keep seeing what you've been seeing. Um, big powerhouse wins, <clears throat> double digit wins, 100 point scores. I think we have now the tied for the highest number of 100 point plus games, uh, in 75 now in the NBA. And the expectations are NBA finals are bust. You got to the Eastern Conference finals. Kawhi single handedly destroyed us, obviously, with the help of Fred Van Vliet at his side. Um, but overall, this team needs to go to the NBA Finals this year or it will be a letdown and it will start to become a thing that will get talked about and we will lose interest. Players will not see us as uh, filling our potential. And I think we have the potential to beat LeBron James in the NBA Finals. I don't think the Lakers are better than us. So I see us winning an NBA championship this year. I am not normally an optimistic person, but should at least show you how much I trust in this team. All right. I like what I'm hearing. Uh, who do you think will be matched up against in the finals? I think it's Lakers bucks finals. I don't think the Clippers do it. Um, but I think it's a close second would be the LA Clippers. I don't think the Denver nuggets are good enough. And I don't think the Houston rockets are good enough for what we talked about already in this mm-hmm. podcast. It's, it's an LA team versus the Milwaukee bucks. All right. All right. Booking tickets to LA now. So no matter what we're going, we're going to LA. They're Just totally on. Take the totally train going. to Milwaukee, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's no fun. All right. Shout so, out to Hiawatha. Number, number one overall picks. Ready? It went Yao Ming, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, Andrew Bogut, Bargnani. Forget to ignore that one. That one's not a great one. Then, uh, Greg Oden, but let's really Durant, uh, Derek Rose, Blake Griffin. 
So, okay, at least it wasn't Bog- <laughs> Bognani. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many of those players have an NBA championship? Because you, you can't True. consider Kevin Durant, number one overall pick. What, LeBron, and that's it? Uh, Did Bogut get one on the Cavs? I don't know. Not important. The point is, franchise players. And then we got Andrew Bogut. <laughs> you and your facts. Facts yeah. and stats. Who brought Who this guy? Who, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Greg Oden was the real number one overall pick, but I cheated and said Kevin yeah. Durant. Um, so there you go. Uh, well, the draft right. is an interesting whole thing to talk about anyway, because it's so, it's so just luck. Like it's luck that we picked Giannis out of nowhere and he yeah. turned into what he, he is. Uh, it's just good scouting. <laughs> good scouting. John Hammond. Good, yeah, good scouting. Player development. I mean, really, that's. It wasn't that we drafted him and he grew like three or four inches. That wasn't, and it was all Jason Kidd, right? Jason Kidd developed him into what he is. Oh, God. The, J- the, the X team is hiring or talking about Jason Kidd to lure Giannis is my favorite. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what the Lakers story. did. Man. That's what they did. Nobody did anything to stunt Giannis's, uh, Giannis's development more than Jason Kidd. I mean, right. my God. Uh, yeah, number one picks overall pretty good. Inchbrook was fine. He is all right. He is all right. But I I, I started with Yao Ming because the year before Kwame Brown. Not a great. Ooh, pick. that was a bad one. Not a great pick. Not a great. Pick. <laughs> all right, that, we could talk about all the Bucks stuff moves. I mean, trading Dirk for Robert Tractor Trailer. Um, oh, does yeah, that's a brutal one. We traded the one. I don't know why this sticks in my head, but we traded Jimmer for debt for Stephen Jackson, God. which is like interesting. <laughs> Could end. Could have Jimmer. I mean, could have had him. You know, I mean, think about what. Think about we, we could have been. been. <laughs> we got Jimmer Fredette, who hey. I think is he still playing in China. Sure. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's, he's lighting he's it like up. A superstar, he's, yeah, in China. That's why he's not leaving. They're paying him good money. Nice. Well, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, the most the most indefensible one. I, I well, I guess Chuck Chill for Dirk, but who knew what Dirk would become was the the Ray Allen for Gary Payton rental was is just brutal it was then i it, it, it is in hindsight that made no sense absolutely brutal absolutely brutal. didn't ray allen want out of milwaukee doesn't who cares? remembering that correctly figure it out <laughs> figure <laughs> it out <laughs> all right interesting it hurt it hurt my feelings back then i was junior senior in high school i, I just remember it like <laughs> i it was the first time like i had a player that i like was rooting for a part of my team that got traded and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> Still not over it. Still yeah, not over. yeah, maybe maybe write that one in your diary later tonight. <laughs> I had a feelings out. I had a I, I went out and I bought a rail on Sonics jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Wore it a couple times, realized my arms were way too skinny to wear we wearing basketball jerseys and you know, stopped wearing basketball jerseys. They're tough to wear, I gotta say. As I just got one, like I have a large, and they're always too long. So yeah. I got a schmedium, and now it's way too tight. So <laughs> I gotta just do you, figure it out. Do you do t-shirt cutoff or long sleeves under under the jersey? I'm a t-shirt or a long sleeve guy. Like if it's cold out, go long sleeves. Yeah. But I have a full sleeve tattoo that I like to show off, so I always gotcha. go t-shirt if I can. That works. Yeah. Casey's uh yeah, Casey's a no shirt under the jersey guy when he goes Ugh, to the game. Because then it gets sweaty and you gotta wash it more. <laughs> I have, like I, I haven't worn one since that Ray Allen one in high school. So scarred. <laughs> 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 I'm scarred. I can't I can't put another one on. I mean, okay. 
Oh yeah, I do have a. I, I do want to mention something I, that I should have mentioned in my earlier recap of the first half. Oh, yeah. Dante Divincenzo's breakout this year yeah. has been amazing to watch, and I wanted to bring that up with you guys because you guys actually pay attention to college basketball, where yeah. mm-hmm. I do not. Um, and like, did you guys see that coming out of him? Like, was he that good in college? I never really yeah. watched him. I believe he was at Villanova, yep. right? Yep. Or, yeah, and like. Or were you seeing that? Because his defensive prowess and like just getting in those passing lanes and those active hands that he has, as well as his ability, and I mean, his three-point shooting is decent, but just seems to be playing well. He even started um, this year, so it's kind of crazy. Just curious. I think, uh, yeah, I believe, when he, yeah, definitely when he came out when he was drafted or uh, that tournament where they won, um, and he had a phenomenal tournament, you could see that his big thing was that he was obviously a great athlete, would get after it, um, had a streaky shooter, but you know, he could find his way to the rim. And I think that is coming into fruition in this, in this season as those, uh, as he kind of learns the games, probably slowing down for a little bit. And he's able to use that athleticism, um, that he has to on the, on the defense side of the ball. Yeah. I think when they drafted him, I actually expected him to shoot better. Uh, but I guess tomorrow's point, he was a bit streakier, but he definitely had an athleticism that you didn't see in other players on the college game. He didn't, he was on a very good team, so he didn't get as much as the ball as you probably would expect a player of his caliber to get. I think that's when back when they had Jalen Brunson uh, yep. running point. Uh, so he had a lot of the ball. Um, so I don't think DiVincenzo got the kind of attention you would normally get because he didn't see as much of the ball. But I definitely, like when they drafted him, I, th- I was very high on the pick because he was, I think, the most talented player uh, on on that Villanova team that won a national championship. So it, it it's always tough to project like what you would think to the next level, but I thought he was skilled enough, but had another level of athleticism that he could he could kind of uh, carry on that you don't often see in in college players. Hmm. To this level, I'm not sure, but like I, where the Bucks you know were picking, I was pretty excited with that caliber of a player coming out of coming out of Villanova. Yeah, definite definite value pick right there. Um, and also shout out George Hill for becoming one of the most efficient three point shooters in the NBA, averaging over fifty percent from the three point line. Um, and it's kind of wild how his career has turned around as well. Yeah, for sure. After being what well, he was, not even really getting minutes in the the Cleveland um, Golden State Finals, right? He was like, well, he was the one that missed the free throw that yeah. Jr. forgot to score on, so he was playing at that point. Yeah, he was playing at that point, but I think his minutes were re- relatively limited uh, compared to kind of the contribution he's putting forth in this on the team uh, for the Bucks this year. Marla, did you hop on the Bucks bandwagon yet? Or no, you... no, oh. I will. Be, if your if your finals come to fruition, I will be on. 100% the bandwagon for the Bucks, uh, just just to keep LeBron out. But as of right now, no, I'm not on it. All right. You keep pulling for those bulls. <laughs> I'm here to support you. Yeah, I, I got you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't come around. I'm just waiting. You should start a bulls therapy Twitter page or something. Not a bad idea. Let out your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's too many followers. I wouldn't be able to handle all that. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. You guys could all talk about it. It'd be like a Facebook group commercial. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, did you guys watch the XFL off NBA? Did you guys watch the XFL today? Oh yeah, it's, uh, def- it's in our yeah. rundown later. Yeah, we're gonna we're yeah. for sure gonna talk. We'll about watch it all um, weekend. 
we're all in until next week. <laughs> see which team was it that was okay i won't steal but like they were chugging seltzers after the game yeah. after they won hell yeah let's go let's <laughs> so go much, so much better than the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> okay i won't I, take up uh, no, any more of the podcast so, yeah okay. no it, it was great thanks for thanks for filling us in man I, I really appreciate your time really appreciate you bringing the stats and the knowledge to the to the podcast hey, no i appreciate you guys having me on it's always fun chatting with you guys I uh, hope the listeners enjoy it. Uh, if you do enjoy me yeah. or the things I say, follow me on Twitter at Jakubitz, at J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z. Uh, Andrew Jakubitz everywhere else in social. Follow me, connect with me, whatever the word is for that media. Find me and add me. I always love chatting NBA um, or anything else, really. So give me a follow. The podcast is uh, The Bucks Leading Radio and recently started up another one. It's called The Casual Millennials Podcast. So... That a uh, buddy of mine and I do, and we just chat with uh, interesting people, uh, mostly in the Milwaukee market, but had a filmmaker on from California recently and chatted with him about his life and how he got there. So it's kind of what the whole purpose of that one is. And then obviously, if you're a Bucks fan, check out the Bucks leading radio everywhere you can find a podcast. Are, uh, are boomers allowed to listen to the Casual Millennial Podcast? Yeah, it's actually to educate the boomers. Oh, uh, catch us up. <laughs> Keep us young. Mindset. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Listen to yeah, on, check it out. Let me know your thoughts. And if you guys ever want to come on, let me know. We'd be right. happy to have you. Listen on the World Wide Web. Yes. Find it on, on there. Spotify, iTunes, <laughs> and the Casual Millennials is on YouTube, so you can see my purdy face. Ooh. Gotta have to go check that out. Let me know your thoughts, please. I'll learn how to learn how to use YouTube and I'll check it out. Oh man, that's why I got my co-host Eric has to shout out Eric. He uh owns a marketing agency, so ah. he handles the video and the uploading of it to YouTube. I handle the um audio editing and recording. So it's huh. a good little ma- uh match we got. Hmm. Well, he has a uh, co-host who bring bring some talents to the field. How does <laughs> Wouldn't you Super like to jealous. have one of those? Super jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, he could just hit a hit a source of the uh, Casey Marlowe yeah. <laughs> relationship. I just I just show up. Marlowe does everything. <laughs> oh, okay. you, Marlo does everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just show up. Casey, get it together. Oh, okay. well, right, he's learning. Well, I think he is. Uh, we'll get you there, Casey. <laughs> All right, we'll get you there. Teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, yeah. well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. thank you guys. Yeah, uh, thanks it was again. a lot of fun talking. Hope uh, hopefully you guys pay attention to the NBA now and can yeah. fill me on, on some stats next time I come up. Oh, stats. <laughs> yeah. We'll get the stats sure. we'll get our stats department on it for sure. <laughs> Saber <Save> metric. <laughs> All right. Take care. Go back. Yeah, until next time. Bye. All right. Now that we're all caught up on the NBA and ready to move forward on that, let's talk about the real highlight of the weekend. Our f- main focus, uh, probably not. Uh, one of our main focuses, Marl, the XFL, your initial thoughts. Go. Um, yeah, it was, I thought it was awesome. I was, I had, again, probably had low expectations, but when I turned it on, it kept me watching. Not only for the new things that they're bringing, but I believe a lot of the football that I watched was actually entertaining. Um, not, not, Hmm. not terrible. I'm not saying it's great, but it was not, not terrible, right? Um, yeah. I think in, was it the, I can't remember the first game that came in. AF. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was already going to say that. I remember they had that great kickoff at night. Um, this one kind of came on at Saturday, you know, Saturday during the day. I, um, but yeah. my initial thoughts was I could, yeah. I, could, I could ride with it at least this weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I think the same. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was new and novel. Um, I can't help but compare it to the AF, and I already jumped the gun on that. Uh, doing that a lot recently here in the podcast. Um, and I looked at these games, and I thought these are more high score. This the offense seems better in this than the AF. And I went back and looked at the scores. Of the AF that couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> they were the AF. What? For whatever reason, I remember the AF like offensive it being sluggish and like slow, uh, which maybe it was, I guess, as the um, gameplay went as you were watching it. But the scores are kind of stacking up with what we've seen so far out of the XFL. So uh, I guess I'm already debunking my own initial thoughts there. But it was pretty entertaining. And I guess let's go through why it was entertaining. And uh, I guess in that, I think in the end, uh, we'll kind of circle back to this, but like, was it just because it was the first week, or is this long-standing? So let's have that in the back of our heads as we talk through this. All right, first off, let's go with the rules, because yep. some things seemed really yeah. weird, uh, and some things seemed just like nice little tweaks. So let's go with the, the kickoff mm-hmm. first, because when I saw this happen, Marlo, I was like, so to be fair, I didn't read the rules beforehand. <laughs> I just was like, I went in blind. I'm like, I don't even know. I know some of the players, right? But I'm going in blind, and I want to just kind of experience this. Uh, as it goes. And when they line up for the first kickoff, I was like, what is happening? Uh, if you didn't see, they line up. The offensive team lines up on the 30, is it? Somewhere around there. I'm going to say 30. And then the kicking the kicking team lines up on the 35. So the, they're five yards apart. The kickoff still happens from wherever. 25. Farther yeah. back. Like normal, normal, where normal kickoffs are. But all the players are on the other side of the field. Uh, the kickoff goes. Nobody moves until the kick returner receives the kick. That's kind of the go. The defense reacts first, and the offense tries to block. Uh, I thought it was a great improvement. Yeah. My first thought was, yeah, I had the confusion at first, and then I was like, NFL is definitely stealing this. Because uh, it's not they're not taking the kickoff away necessarily. It's just yeah. different, and it's almost like it's almost like an offensive play, right? Because they're just getting the ball, kind of lining right. up, and then you're, you're engaging on blocks. Which it seemed like I didn't run. The, I didn't run this behind the stats department, but the kickoff returners were running it back around that twenty-five to thirty-yard line. So it wasn't a crazy flipping field. I don't think anything was really yeah. returned that I saw return back any big returns this week. Um, yeah, I think a, one or two might have got to like the 40, 45 or something if they if they made like a right. big miss. Yeah, so I think it's a good middle ground of like not taking the kickoff away and changing up enough where it still can impact the game. Yeah, so obviously it's a this is a safety rule, right? So you don't have guys running 30, 40, 50 yards before they make contact with somebody. The blocks are happening when they're, you know, 5, 10 yards apart. So that that's a safety concern. I, a little bit, I don't know how you scheme yeah. it, and I don't think the teams knew how to scheme it to like make effective yeah. kick returns. Uh, someone's going to figure it out. But but uh, that might be... If you watched average kick returns in the NFL, they probably end up much like this one. It just... I wanted to see somebody break one to be like, look, you yeah. can do it, and nobody nobody really did. There's some nice returns, but nobody really broke one. Uh, but I agree. It's definitely kind of that, that middle ground. Um, I think the most interesting change that also kind of sucked <laughs> but was interesting yeah was the extra yeah. points slash conversions walk us through this one Marlo. all right so yeah once you score a touchdown it's not a it's not a kick for an extra point 
You can go for one. Yep. You do you do a run of play from a line of scrimmage, either a one point play, a two point play, or three point play, which is two, five, and ten yards respectively. You would run the run the play yep. from. Um, so kind of yeah, choose your adventure. I thought I think I remember reading this earlier, and I thought it was a great idea. Uh, and then looking at it in um, in real life, it kind of it, it kind of sucks. It's kind of hard. I mean, it gives everyone a shot, but it's also hard for me to do the mental math now. Because I don't automatically assume mm. that it's going to be seven, um, but you you always yeah. have. But then again, you always have a shot to kind of either make that up if you miss it, or and or late in games, you know, be able to to run the uh, the score back if you're behind. Yeah, there was a a game. Uh, was it the second game um, where they were like, I'm going to try and pull it up here. Um, they're like, oh, if they kick a field goal here, they'll only be down nine, so it'll be a one score yeah. game. And I was like, wait a minute, what? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the DC. It was a DCCL yeah. game, and I was like, that is such weird. And then they ended up getting the field goal, but then taking it off, and then losing by more. Um, so, yes, it does add kind of some confusions and calculations. This, by the way, makes the whole buying a square thing where you get the yeah. points thing way more fun and way more even <laughs> across the board because. Scores could literally be everything instead of, you know, zeros or whatever, sevens being good. You know, literally any number yep. is good in that in that. Um so that's more fun. Uh but in in theory it sounds fun because you can go for more points and you can do these different plays. But you get in the game and nobody can convert yeah. any of these. Nobody <laughs> has a play. Nobody knows how to run these plays. <laughs> So it just ended up everybody tried whatever they attempted, a, a one, two, or three-point attempt. I don't know if I saw any three-point attempts, but one or two-point attempts. Uh, and they fail because nobody has any good place uh, to run in that situation. Because normally in the NFL, you're like, I have this one secret two-point conversion play that I'm only going to bust out when I need it. And here you have to use it all the time. I don't know. They need to figure something out. Again, I think just think it was teams not... You know, obviously, this is the first week, but they're not like scheme. They don't know how to how important these are, or what plays to yep. run for it. And it just seemed like the defense definitely had an advantage of this, and it just ended up everybody failed every conversion. So that was that was why I thought it kind of sucked. Um, all right, a rule I didn't think I or I thought I read that I didn't see was the onside kick rule, where you kind of have to go for it on fourth down. We didn't see that, so we won't talk about it. But maybe that'll happen at some point. Yep. All right, the other one we saw was the clock in the final two minutes. Kind of confusing when they explained it. It confused uh, me every single game. I still don't get it. Yeah, so there's some... So the clock stops on every play. So even if it, the player's tackled in the field of play, the clock stops, and then it stops for five additional seconds. So five seconds will run off the play clock, and then they'll start the clock. It seems like a very complicated job for uh, <laughs> the clock man- the clock manager... Um, and it's really hard to follow along. Uh, essentially, you get, I don't know, 10 seconds of stop clock. It's obviously a catch-up mechanic to try and get the, the team who is down to come back. Um, it was confusing. It didn't seem like it really helped in anybody because nobody really came back uh, and just kind of left me confused. Yeah, like I said, it's still confused. I, I guess I'd probably yeah like I'd probably be more inclined to pay better attention to what's going on if they the clock was being used to kick, make that comeback. But we didn't have any of those scenarios this week. Yeah, there there was a chance in one or two of the games, but they just didn't yeah. come 
didn't come to fruition. Yeah. So all right, those were the rules changes. I liked. I think I liked most of yeah. them. Uh, I could see the kickoff. To your point, I could see the kickoff becoming a thing in the NFL. I don't see the extra point thing changing, but it's fun for an alternate league. Uh, in the clock, too confusing. Wait. I like I like the college model better, yeah. where you stop on the first down um, until it's set. It was a little too confusing. All right, broadcast. Yeah, here we uh, go. This was, I think, the most different. Uh, and the first thing you notice when you watch it, mics everywhere. Where Marlo? Everybody's yeah, mic'd up. The net, the net mic. You just have all natural sounds. You can just hear everything on the field. Not only like, yeah, yep. refs had the mic. You could hear coaches. You could hear the booths. But it was like, I the announcers were getting drawn out by all the noise that were coming from all the mics, which was kind of distracting. Um. Yeah, yeah. So, Mike said, "I guess we could get into the play calling. I, I play calling all in general with the play calling mics. I don't think it brings anything. Yeah. I, I, no? I uh, see. In theory, I was like, okay, I think it might be cool, like here. But now that it's there, I'm like, no, I don't know the language. It doesn't really matter, and just run. I, I don't know. It didn't bring anything to me, and I thought it was more annoying. I thought it was yeah. really cool." Uh, I don't know if I will think it's cool in right. game four, uh, but I thought it was really cool in this game. And I thought it was really interesting, one, to get the terminology. I Having not played mm-hmm. football, I've never heard the terminology. I know I don't understand. Like, there's a, each team has yeah. a different, like, uh, not scheme, a different yeah. language, I don't know, code words or whatever to call it out. But it was really cool to hear it. And, like, I have so much more respect for football players because, like, I had no idea what was <laughs> happening. And it's like, they have to... The quarterback has to f- hear this, repeat it essentially at the same time, and then know instantly what all of it means, especially in the XFL where the play clock is shorter. And he has to then decipher the – I mean, I have so much more respect for quarterbacks to be able to decipher all of this to know what everybody is doing. Um, but I don't know if it would – it It felt like a, hey, if you've never watched football before, like – Let's let the coach play, and then the announcer would be like, "Here, the Z route is this, and he's going to do this." And Ohio means yeah. out route, and like it felt cool to be like, "Oh, you don't know what the heck's going on? Let me explain it to you." Um, which was kind of interesting, but again, I don't know if that's going to game six or seven. If that's going to be something that that I'm interested yeah. in, but it was neat, and I think if they splashed it in yes. a little bit more, just like occasionally yes. go to it instead of like, I mean, in the second half of the Seattle game. We listened, I think, every play called Jim Jordan did. <laughs> and it was like a bit. Yeah, a bit no, I, I could agree with that. If it was kind of sprinkled in. But yeah, they make it a point. It's pretty much every play, either the uh, the play, either offense or defensive play call are coming in. And I think one game, I, I, you yeah. could hear both of them, the offensive versus the defensive play call. <laughs> it was kind of wild. Yeah. And if you're kind of, so you have that. Or kind of a broadcaster putting context and kind of explaining the situation and things. I think if you found the right balance, you could get there. But especially as you get, like, it was definitely interesting at certain times. But, like, I think it was too much just relying on it. Um, that, that kind of got a little bit overwhelming. But I thought, I thought it was pretty neat. And if they could sprinkle it in, it'd be great. Um, all right. Mike's also in the replay yeah. booth, Marlo. This was very interesting. Um, yes, it was interesting. I think, yeah, it was cool to kind of see the, how they went about it. Guy uses a, I don't know if you know, he uses an Xbox controller, (laughs) 
on the uh, on the replay. Yeah. I thought that was cool. So he's just sitting there playing video games. Um, but I don't like it because it takes away from suspense, and I and I couldn't just get mad at the refs for making a wrong call or right call like during the time, right? So when they come back and they make the call in the field, I already know what's going to happen. Suspense gone. Oh, you empathize with them. You're like, oh, these are humans making decisions, not <laughs> not normal referees who I can just hate and blame for everything. I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, well, the funniest one, I, 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 it was in the, the first game, and they called the run. They were just wrong. They had it, they had it wrong. He had a first down, and they're like, oh, no, he's down a yard behind it. And it's like, you never saw him be down, and they still got it wrong. So that was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, it was like their first example of it, and they definitely got the play That's wrong. Funny. It worked. El- it worked elsewhere. I I like that it is um, college rules of replay. Every every yeah. play is replayed. It's done by the replay booth. There's no yeah. challenges. That's the right way, way to do replay. Um, so good job in picking that up. Uh, it was just interesting to see a lot of mouth breathing. Mm. You heard a lot of a lot of breathing in the microphone. I think we talked about that offline. <laughs> um, Kind of tough. Got to iron that out. Uh, so Mike's in the replay booth. So Mike's people were mic'd up, but there are also reporters there, yeah. Marlo, on the sideline, in the end zone. I mean, it felt like everywhere, ready to stick a mic in anybody's face who did yeah. anything. Um, how do you think that was? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel for the players because I, I think as, as Aaron Murray just threw an interception and they're just on the yeah. sideline. He has to like make the, like the same sort of uh, post conference interview question right after you've done it. You know, <laughs> like and yeah. that's that seems kind of tough. Does it bring things? I think it's I think it's kind of cool for a viewer to see like to get that reaction right away, and for the player not to yeah. really have time to think on it. But to that said, it seemed like the same sort of answer, like rehearsed answer that I'm not didn't really get anything. But I could definitely see it. T- uh, there be like a point in time where something will happen and you'll get that kind of raw unfiltered emotion through that interview. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think it was, it felt really cool in this game, but game four or five where they're saying the same yeah. thing still, I don't know if that's going to be fun. Um, watching Aaron Murray and the quarter, some of the other quarterbacks were interviewed right after throwing an <laughs> interception, like in them just being like, so part of it's like football yeah. talk, right? But like part of it for me was also like, God, they really have to believe this. They really have to believe like just go out there and like I just got to complete the next pass. That's yeah. what I got to do. Short that they have to believe yeah. that and like how how incapable I am of doing that. <laughs> it's just like it was a whole new world to me. I'm just like I can't – if I make a mistake, I'm thinking about it. You know, obviously it's different. I don't throw interceptions, but, you know, I make a mistake in my life. It's like I'm thinking about how I made that mistake for, like, days. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get over it. And they got to go out and play football again in the next play. It was it was really funny. Um, I like the one uh, – the uh, I, think, I think it was in D.C. where he had the football. He's like, I'm keeping it. <laughs> We we here. I'm keeping the ball. We here, and I was like, "That's that's yeah. cool." I, I, they all have their own that. football. Like they each team has their own colored footballs. Yeah. You notice that? I think the Patriots yeah. tried to do that, and then There's there was some, some sort of weird thing going on. Yeah, something going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Interviews right away. Again, really cool in the yeah. games in the early games. I don't know if I'm gonna like it <laughs> yeah. going forward. The, this is gonna be a theme okay. uh, for me. Um, all right. Other thing I noticed, Marlo, openly talking about betting. Yeah. The spread over under were completely visible on the screen. 
announcers were talking about it throughout yeah. the game. Good, bad. I will say this: the Fox announcers were mu- were much better about talking about the spread in ESPN announcers were or ABC, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. I felt like they still kind of had that. They were still using like, oh, people in the desert and like those. Yeah, they were al- say, alluding yeah. to it instead of like. Obviously, you can the XFL wants you to openly talk about it, and I felt like they they were like yeah. the kid that just felt uncomfortable, so they couldn't do it. But um, yeah, I thought it was. I mean. I wasn't betting on the games, but I, you know, like going forward, having all that information could lead me to start betting on games. Yeah, I think I, it'll be weird to see the NFL go this yeah. way, um, just because the NFL so has been so resistant to, to such a thing. Uh, but again, for a secondary league, it was fun. It was, I think, an, an added thing. Um, and I think it's, I don't know. I don't know how much I wanted to be part of the broadcast. It was fun when they did it, but it, was it a novelty or do I want this to be part of the broadcast going forward? If it's a team I care about and like I'm invested in, and obviously I'm not invested in any of these, any of these teams yet. So like the gambling part is part of the, not that I'm, necessarily gambling on it but like the, even just like considering the gambling implications is part of the fun of watching it um when i don't have an emotional investment otherwise uh, i guess it adds a reason to kind of root and follow and cheer for something in the game uh so all right that's cool uh i think the next thing where i want to talk about old names just being brought back up yeah some some good some bad some different um cardell jones yeah. Still hurts my feelings. Gauge. Seeing, yep. seeing him out there. Uh, also can still throw a really good ball. Holy cow. Um, Jim Zorn. God, he felt like the nicest man in the world. <laughs> they fumble on the goal line. And he's like, gosh, gosh darn it. You got to be kidding me. Jeez. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. This guy. Oh, is he a football coach or an accountant? Jesus. Um that was hilarious. And then they they lose and he's like, We did a good job. We just gotta do better. And I'm like, man, Jim Zorn, what a nice guy. Yeah. Don't know how inspiring he is, but man, he you know, if he wants to take a second look at my taxes, he can he can do that. You know. Let me know how it goes. Uh those are the ones that stuck out to yeah. me. I I I don't know, I was I was so fixed on that yeah. game. Who else I got uh, Matt McGloin, uh quarterback Ooh. now of the New York are they breakers? I don't know. New York team. Uh, Guardians. Oh, yeah, Guardians. New York, yeah, Matt McGloin of Penn State, of his, like, few games that we all... Hurt my <laughs> yeah, feelings. Yeah, Another one hurt my feelings. feelings. Uh, with the Raiders for a little bit. Um, so that was that was wild to see. I think he's one of the older players in the because he's 30. Uh, so... Wait, yeah, what? McGloin's 30. That is sneaky yeah. old. <laughs> So that was for the C. And then, of course, he was actually playing uh, Tampa Bay in that game, whose head coach is Mark yeah. Trussman. Brings back, talk about bringing Ooh. back bad memories. That, yeah. That's like memories. good. And then quarterback of, I think, the same Tampa Bay, Aaron Murray, who was yeah, yeah, Tampa Bay, who yeah. was quarterback of uh, Georgia. 
uh, Georgia for a while. Yeah. I just remember it, it just came back and I was like, how do I know this? How does it, oh yeah, I remember, remember watching yeah. George, uh, Georgia play when Aaron Murray was there. And he, that's when that was also a, AJ Green. That was his receiver. So, yeah, I'm surprised he, uh, I guess he probably had a little bit of a stint in the NFL, but yeah. drafted by again, the Chiefs. probably another sneaky. Yeah. Probably another, mm, didn't nope. work out. I think they got some worked out for the Chiefs, I guess. Again. <laughs> um, Surprised he washed out of the NFL. I mean, maybe this is a chat, shot to get back. Well, no, they scored three points. Uh, Mark mm, Trestman, baby. Uh, yeah. Offensive wizard. They keep calling him. He's a wizard. <laughs> yeah, three points. Three points. Tampa Bay Vipers. Uh, yeah. I wish they did a little bit more of, like, at least for the first, like, what college everyone went to, because they mentioned at the beginning what they do in the NFL, but, like, I don't know. I think if you're selling me in this game, you have to tie me more into so-and-so like yeah. awesome pro I, I had to look it up i looked it up before the podcast i'm like i remember him from somewhere and he was a wide receiver at north carolina and I'm like oh yeah i remember him but like just tell me all of the time right. yeah <laughs> where he played at college yeah. or like something to like tie them to something otherwise it's like i'm constantly going man that name sounds familiar from something yeah. when i was uh, watching it, like and joe horn of- jr was on a team and I was like, like the Joe Horn Jr. And they never <laughs> ever said that. And that's like something you jump on right away, right? You just show the highlight of yeah. him taking the phone out. You do it every time. It was like, no, I had to like go and look that up all on my own. Like, yes, that's <laughs> that's his son. Yeah, that's him. Did he score? Uh, I didn't. Did he no, he did not end up scoring. But he did catch a couple balls. Fantastic. Yeah. Finds a flip phone somewhere. <laughs> Pulls it out. That'd be great. Um, all right, they had a. In one of the games, I think it was the DC game, uh, they had the college football records. They had uh, the Navy quarterback, who's now playing wide receivers. Reynolds, I think his yep. name was. He had the most career touchdowns. And then they have the stupid San Diego State running back, who has the most career rushing yards, which is a bogus record uh, because obviously Ron Dane should have it because they count bowl games for this San Diego State running back. I won't even repeat his name because I didn't want to look it up. Um <laughs> Which why why is this still a thing? I don't understand, Marlo. I I wrote this so I could rant about this again because I want to I want to do this every once in a while. You have the information. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like back when they didn't count sacks as a statistic, and you're like, oh, I don't know how many sacks he had because we didn't write it down. It's on video. We have box scores. You can add. You just count it for one and not the other. And you can go, oh, well, it's not fair. This guy thinks he has the record. How do you think Rodden Dane feels? Then all of a sudden they changed the rule after he was done, even though they counted the statistics. It's such ridiculous BS. NCA fix. I know you're listening, NCA. I know you're listening. Fix that. Figure out how to pay the players and how to do all that stuff later. <laughs> fix this first. My make, God. Travesty. Full stats count. They do count for, for certain, certain players. players. We make them count oh. for all. All right. Now I got all fired yeah. up. All right. I got all fired up. That was fun. That was my rant. And there's the case of your rant. Probably, probably woke up the family as I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hopefully not. They're all the way upstairs. It's probably okay. All right. That's all I got. Any other, any other uh, X, XFL thoughts before I ask the big question no, of the man, XFL? No, get to it. What's the big question? All right. All right. I think it was an unresounding, successful weekend for the XFL. I think. 
right? Yeah. They already came out and said how, they sold more tickets this weekend than the AAF ever sold in their higher eight-week season. That seems ridiculous, <laughs> but I will believe you. How can they keep us involved? How can they keep us curious, Marla? What do they need to do? Throughout this thing, I think we've kind of said, or at least I know I have said, it seemed cool this week, but I don't know about it going forward. How do they keep us invested? Because we were here a year yep. ago, Marlo, watching AAF <laughs> and being like, this thing is cool. We're going to do this. And then we never watched another <laughs> game. How does the XFL prevent itself from becoming the AAF 2.0? What can yeah, they do? I don't know. What can they it's, do to keep so your I've, I've said this. It's tough. I know they want to come right after football, but it's tough if they come in the middle of February as we get into, you know, by the time they get to week two, three, now we're talking conference championship games. We're talking about selection Sunday, and then yeah. we got the tournament, and you turn around, and this is like, oh, XFL still there? And so that, I mean, the one thing they could do is have competitive football, right? If they can have competitive football, mm-hmm. They don't, they, I mean, they have the games on Fox and ABC slash ESPN, which is a good start. Yep. Um, I'll be able to find the game, even if it's by mistake. Yep. And so that's good. And to keep me interested is just play, yeah, playing good football. I think I saw, I mean, you know, you look at the score, but like what the plays saw on the field, I felt I was watching better football in the AAF, right? Um, okay. And that's all I'd say. Just, just keep me entertained for a couple hours on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I think the most important thing you hit on there was the broadcast. Uh, the AAF, the first weekend, was on CBS, and then it went to CBS Sports Network, which nobody gets. It went to NFL Network, which nobody gets. And it was just hard to find and follow the games. This is going to be on Fox. This is going to be on your televisions, where normal people, boomers like me, <laughs> can can find uh, <laughs> can find the game. And it's going to be... It's going to be there, whereas the AAF wasn't. I think that's the most important thing, that we will be able to find and see it. Maybe we'll watch college basketball over it. I think we will end up, but I think casual sports fans might find themselves gravitating towards it more. Secondly, I think that the antics, the things we talked about, the differences that may wear thin are important because the AF didn't really bring anything different to it. I don't, at least I don't remember them bringing anything different to this, the broadcast, to the rules, to the sport. It was just like, here's not NFL football, but it's like NFL yeah. football. This is at least a little bit different, not crazy different like the previous yeah. XFL was, not like arena league kind of ridiculous rules, but like enough small things that are different, enough small things that are different about the broadcast that can maybe keep you around a little bit more. But you're right. It comes down. It's not going to be. It comes down to quality of play, I think, in the end. But it's it's not going to be the yeah. NFL. But if it can be some sort of different, entertaining version of the NFL, if they can get to that, uh, I think I think it'll 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 keep us around. They need to get us invested though in the teams. I don't know how they're going to do that. It's. Because it's, what, there's eight teams, yeah, eight right? Teams. Yeah. You got to, somehow we need to pick and, and I think, because that's obviously what the NFL has going for, what the major sports have, have going for them. Like, you get invested in a team. How can they get me invested in a team? 
to to want to root for them. I think that's the two, the two yeah. things they need to do. Is one is quality football. Two, find a way to get people invested. A way for us to find a favorite player, a favorite team. Uh, um, yeah. That'll that'll get me farther in. I don't have one yet, uh, but maybe if I keep watching, I'll, I'll tell you I'll, what. Jim's Jim's Zorn, real, real nice, nice guy, kind of leader nice in the clubhouse. Guy. Real nice guy. Want to have him over for dinner? I feel like I was watching the DC game, and there was like it seemed like there was yeah. more people at that game than any Redskins game this season. So there's it. They seemed at least yeah. more involved. Yeah, in cheering. Sure. Were the defender foam defender uh, shields were those free or did they have to buy those? Do you think? Ooh, great question. I, I would assume they're free. There were a lot of them. <laughs> there were a lot out there. I would have to say the XFL uh, gear and kind of accessories on point. They're yeah. all over the place. They got everything. They starter jackets. I XFL think. has starter jackets. The- <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. Did not know so, that. Coaches. Note to self, go on Amazon. <laughs> pick it well for number one, pick a team. Go on Amazon. Buy their jersey. The dragons look cool. It's crazy that there hasn't been dragons in the NFL. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right. So this we wrapped. I also feel like a defenders, mm-hmm. you have to have a good defense. Yeah. You have to have a good defense. You can't be the defenders and be giving up thirty five points a game. Agreed. Tough. Tough to paint yourself in that corner. With your with your name. All right, that's all I got. I'm done. All right, all right. XFL. <laughs> great, great first week. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll be back talking XFL every week on from here on out. Maybe Hardcore. we will we will definitely XFL maybe talk podcast about now. <laughs> but get back to our bread and butter. We got America's favorite segment, which might be a little different this week. We'll see. Casey's corner uh, kick. Do you think us being an XFL podcast will last? Longer or shorter than being an esports <laughs> podcast? Ah, uh, that's a good. That's a good. It's a good one for the desert. Take a line on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Desert. Take a look at that. Set a line on that. Uh, still esports podcast. It's just been. It's been rough for esports. Uh, mainly, it's just been like League of Legends stuff that I don't care about. That's why we don't talk about it. All right. Um, corner kick, Marlo. Not a lot of soccer things happened this week. Uh, maybe it did. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like Liverpool. Liverpool didn't play this weekend. Uh, they played last week. We talked about that. Um, other soccer games happened this week. Uh, Man City got rained out, so that didn't happen. There's an interesting game in Milan, but whatever. All right. I'm going to talk about random things on Corner yeah. Kick because this has been a random enough podcast. Oscars happened tonight. We didn't really watch it. We were recording the podcast during it. Uh, but we did see that Eminem was back. there. He's back. And he's saying, lose yeah. yourself. <laughs> In 2020, to the Oscars crowd, uh, absolutely bizarre. I don't even know what to make out of it, uh, but I'm glad that it happened. Yeah. So you saw it, right? So we had the whole montage of movies, songs that made movies, yeah. and they ended out with Eight Mile. And I was like, "Oh, that's nice. They're going to end with this one." And then all of a sudden, it is Eminem about to sing "Lose Yourself," yeah. and I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. The movie Eight Mile came out in two, 2002. Like, did they not have enough musical guests that had movies this year to do it? And it was just like, all right, I guess he's doing it. Got some new, he has a whole new album and everything, but he's going to sing Lose Yourself. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looked like the, the Oscar crowd uh, ate it up. Tom Hanks loving it in the front row. <laughs> yeah. Scorsese 
falls asleep. Falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know this guy. What is going on? Uh, but yeah, just, I don't know. I felt like it was just really random. Extremely random. I loved it. Um, that's our Oscars coverage. Um, people won things. People gave good speeches, terrible speeches. I don't know. Who cares? I saw a picture of people dressed as cats from the Cats movie. Um, that's tough. That was had to be awkward. Uh, some poor person had to get their award announced by people dressed Oof. as cats in what, for all, from everything I've read, was an absolute terrible movie. Uh, didn't see it, but heard it was terrible. Um, so there you go. Oscars coverage. That's why you tune in. Um, all right. Baseball front, corner kick baseball front, Marlo. They're, you know, uh, I was going to try and tighten the corner <laughs> kicks. Runners on the corners. I don't know, something like that. Uh, big trade in baseball. Um, actually, like, there were multiple trades and there weren't trades and there were trades, but it sounds like the Mookie Betts and Price to the Dodgers is now completed. There's concern, some concerns about some prospects coming back to the Red Sox. Um, I don't know how you view this, Marlo, but this is a, I think, an unmitigated disaster for the Red Sox. They have decided that they are a mid-market team again and cannot afford the second-best player in baseball and have traded away his services to the Dodgers for, I don't know, a nickel on the dollar in in the, the price. Um, this is a baffling trade. It, it, they obviously decided they weren't going to pay him big money. He obviously deserves big money, and I... Don't understand it because he is the second best player in baseball. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, just uh, kind of random. I don't know. I, I so does this mean that the Red Sox are going to are they going to try to swim in this area and stop and not not have high price players, or is this just they weren't able to pay Mookie Betts? Well, that's the weird thing because I feel like what's going to happen is in two years they're going to splash on somebody who's seventy five percent as good as yeah. Mookie Betts yeah. and not pay him the this amount of money, but like they're going to spend money somewhere in the future to try and get better players to try and win again. And I just don't think you're going to spend money even if you gave him the crazy not even not necessarily you'd meet what he's asking for but like let's say market price of what Mookie Betts is going to get you're not going to spend that money in a better way I don't think and just to kind of if you're the Milwaukee Brewers and you see and you go hey we can't literally can't afford this guy or like hey if if we pay this guy and something bad happens we're screwed I mean if you think about uh when Prince Fielder left and he signed with the uh with the Rangers and with the Rangers, they're a big enough club that, yeah, that really, so he essentially played for like a year or two. And then his in, he hurt his neck and had to retire from baseball. They're like still fighting out from under their contract. The Rangers have enough money that they're able to kind of do that. If they happen to the Brewers, they're screwed. They're screwed for the remainder of that contract. But the Red Sox are the Red Sox that they don't have that concern. They don't have that worry. I don't understand how they're penny pinching on this it just doesn't make sense if i was a red sox fan given all the success that you've had recently given all, you know everything i would be extremely frustrated and even if you're in this contract and you can't afford other players you get to watch moogie Betts play for 10 15 years and that's something special um that you'd be able to do 
Uh, and they can't do that now. Now he's going to be in Los Angeles for a year and then maybe longer. Maybe he'll go somewhere else. I can't imagine he's going back to Boston, though, after they traded him twice now because the first deal fell through. And they're like, no, 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 we'll take whatever else. Just get him out of here. It's so bizarre. And one of the weirdest things for the Red Sox to do this because they're, I mean, if you think about the econo- economics of baseball, no, they're not the Yankees. No, they're not the Dodgers, but they're that next level, yeah. right? And for them to be like, to be, they're not sellers in the world, but like penny pinchers in this regard is just baffling. And to put the money over a generational player, it it feels like something only the Red Sox in their position can do. That's all. That's all I got on the corner kick. All right. Well, that's it for the corner kick. I think that's it for us, Casey. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at 132Breeze, myself at MarloJR, Casey at Prof Badger Fan. Casey, that's it for me. You got any last words? Well, as always, fellow fans, I hope that all your favorite teams win all the sports. <laughs>